So we're in part two of this Ephesians series. We're looking at a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to us a few thousand years ago. And in this letter, he focuses on the, the issue of identity. And last week we were exploring what that means. If you weren't here last week, jump online and go on our website and, and listen to last week's sermon because it, this letter really drills into the idea of God imputes your I- identity to you. Your identity is not something that you build throughout your life, although that might add some components to it, but at your core, you are who God says you are. You are what God defines you to be. And so we were looking at, at, at that early part of the letter. And then today we're actually going to go a little bit deeper into the letter because in this part of the letter, we get to learn not only who we are, but what we were made for. In other words, not just who we are, but why we are. Why did God make us? What is the purpose for which he made us and designed us and planted us right here on the earth? Uh, This week I was working in um, my backyard. We have a spigot that didn't quite work right in the back of our house. And when every time you turned it on, there would water would run into the house, down into the basement, around onto the carpet, in the kids' area. Not pleasant, not fun. So for the last several months, my wife has said, please fix the spigot. So anyway, last week, I uh, went to Home Depot, and I got the parts that I needed to fix the spigot. So I bring the parts home, and I'm getting everything assembled. I'm getting it all together. But it turns out that I don't actually have the right tools to assemble the parts. What I needed, I needed some pipe wrenches. Anybody, any plumbers in the house? You're invited to come to our house this afternoon at 1230. Um, uh, we, we didn't have any pipe wrenches, but I needed to assemble these two pieces together. Um, so I thought, well, you know what? I'll just use pliers because I had some pliers. So I'm going to use pliers. Now, pliers were not designed for the job that I was asking the pliers to perform. They were designed for other things, but they weren't designed for this job. And so you may not even be able to see it out there, but I have scratches across my hand today because as I'm trying to apply these pliers, I'm trying to use pliers in a way for which they were not made. They weren't made for that. I'm trying to use them for this purpose, and I end up, of course, they slip off the thing, and my hand scrapes against the side of our old brick house, and I just tried to keep the Holy Spirit within me as opposed to driving him away um, by coarse language or anything else. But I, I, was, I, I was using something for a purpose for which it was not made, right? And it would have been a lot easier and it would have been a lot more effective and it would have been a lot more efficient and it would have been a lot less frustrating and it would have been a lot less injuring if I had used the tools for which they were made, Right? Now, that's one thing, just to use a tool inappropriately or not for the purpose for which it was made. But it's another thing when we live our lives in a way that is not according to the purpose for which God designed us. When we live a life according to the purpose for which we were made, we experience greater fulfillment, greater joy, greater reward, greater gratification than anything else in the world. When we live according to the design for which we were made. And so today we're going to push into this question in a sermon I'm, ca- I'm calling Made for This because I want each and every one of us to grasp this idea that we were made by God, not arbitrarily, by God for a purpose that he wants us to know and he wants us to live out. And we're going to explore that in um, uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Um, the best way to discover how something is made or why something is made is to ask the person who made it. So we're going to get to the scripture in a minute. But I want to do a little bit of 
participation. Will you guys work with me today for a few minutes? We're going to do a little back and forth participation. We're all going to be engaged in this, okay? And if I lose you, I know what to do. I just remind you about pizza, and then you guys will be right, right back with me. Okay, so what, what I did is I went online. I found some, some pictures of some items, some things, and I want you, and we're going to start off real easy, but I want you to respond to me and tell me what that thing was made for. What's the function? What's the purpose of that thing? Okay, we're going to start out really easy. Ready? All right, right. Those are not doorstops. Those are not paperweights, right? Those are, those are weights, and those are meant to make you stronger and to make you more fit, but you got to lift them and move them around, okay? So that's what they're made for. They're actually made to help you be healthier, okay? We're good. We're rolling. All right, next one. Anybody know what this is? Thank you, combine. I actually called it a corn harvester first service, and somebody from uh, the country corrected me outside and said, that's a combine. So anyway, um, that's a combine. And so the, 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 uh, the purpose for which a combine is made is to harvest corn. It's not made to race. It's not made to, uh, you know, buck hay. It's not made to do anything else. It's got a purpose, right? And if you use it for something for which it's not designed, it's not going to work right, right? All right, now some of you younger folks might know this one. What is this one? <laughs> this is a fidget spinner, all right? A fidget spinner is purportedly designed to relieve stress for people who are like, you know, not paying attention and trying to stay focused. It actually has the function of just annoying parents and teachers is my understanding. So anyway, that's a fidget spinner. Okay, um, that's the purpose for which it was made. Okay, we're going to go a little more complex. This is, a, this, is a, this is a twin reverb Fender tube amp. Our guitar players up in the, out here are giving me thumbs up and all this. This is meant to amplify music. To play guitar that you can't hear, you plug it into this thing. The purpose of it is to amplify the music. Okay, we're going to get a little more complex. Anybody know what this is? <laughs> this is a Harley Davidson engine. The purpose of this is to make you live free and ride hard, baby. Come on. That is the purpose for which that was made. Okay. Now, a little more complex. Two turntables and a microphone. Okay, that's what this is. This is, a, this is to break beats. This is to play music. This is to make you dance. That's what it was designed to do. That's what it was made for. And that's what it does, okay? So that's, okay, now we're going to get a little more complex. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's a, that's a Google server, the Google server farm. And what that's designed to do is to collect, store, and transmit information, electronic information. So if you've ever sent an email or received an email or you've ever Googled anything, then you've been hanging out with this guy, this big complex machine, whether you know it or not. Now, the next one is really, really hard. Okay, really hard. And I'm just putting it in there so that we all feel smarter today and that we all become smarter today. Are you ready? Here it is. Anybody know what that is? <gasps> Who knew that? Who knew that? Wow. Okay, we got a few. That's a particle accelerator. All right, now I'm going to get this wrong. All right, but, but it's my understanding this is one of the most complex machines on the planet. And the goal of this machine, the purpose of this machine, is to send particles of energy round and round and round until they collide with each other and explode. And then, then you get to see what happens as a result of that. And then you study that and scientifically research that. Did I get that right? Close? Okay, close, close. We're going we're gonna to glaze over the details, all right? Um, 
Very complex machine. Now, the most complex creation on the planet. Are you ready? Us, right? And the question that we're going to explore today, what are these things made for? What is the purpose of you and me and every human being on the planet? Why are we here? What are we made for? Fundamental question. How many of you ever just asked that question at some point in your life? You know, maybe you were only, only about 10, 10 of you. And the rest, the rest of you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nudge you into that today, right? Um, because we have to understand this, right? And one of the most important things, probably the most important thing that you can know in life is why you are here. What's the purpose for which you were made? What were you made for? Why are you on this planet? Why are you here? And so in order to explore why we're here, we want to look at the person who put us here. We want to look at the person who created us and made us. We want to ask the creator why his creation is here. So we're going to get into this scripture today. And if you're here and you're not a believer and you're like, look, I I actually don't affirm the authority of the Bible. I don't necessarily believe that you know, the, the, the Bible is God's word and that it's telling me, you know, who I am and all that, then, then, then what I would recommend is just listen, soak this in, and then see if any of this resonates with you. And then if you actually apply it to your life, I would then challenge you to see if it doesn't in some way begin to transform your life from the inside out. So whether you are a firm believer, you've been a Jesus follower all your life, or you're just barely peeking over the fence, this is for you. Because this is a descriptive uh, letter about what God says about who we are and what we were made for and why we're here. So Ephesians, we'll start back in chapter one and then we'll jump ahead to a part of chapter two. But here's what it says. It says, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for, okay? Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. This is before the foundations of the world. God had his eye on you, right? Um, he had his eye on us and he had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose that he is working out in everything and everyone. So there's this entire global unity thing happening that's part of God's providential plan and his sovereign work in our life. Now, then we're gonna skip down a few paragraphs into chapter two and here's what I wanna focus on today. For we are God's handiwork, right? We are God's handiwork, you're Translation might say workmanship, but it says we are God's handiwork or workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good work. So look at this. We are God's handiwork. That's identifying language. For what? We were made for what? To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This line that I'm going to give you right now is not in your notes, but I would urge you to just take out a pen and write this down because if you get this, then you get the whole message And you can just get your fidget spinner out and hang out the rest of the sermon, all right? And here it is. There's no greater fulfillment in life than serving others in an area of your strength because that's what honors God and that's what you were made for. You and I were made to honor God, to glorify God, the scripture says, which actually means to reflect God's real, true character and nature to other people by the way we interact with one another, by the way we treat other people, by the way we serve, by the way we love, 
by the way we care for others, by the way we look out for the stranger, by the way we look out for the orphan and the widow and the person that's come to our church for the first time and the person who's struggling and the person and, and each other, right? One another, the body of Christ. That's what we are called to do. That is what we are made for, all right? So I want to, I want to drill down just for a few minutes into this phrase, we are God's handiwork, all right? And if we can focus on that for a minute, I think we can get a strong grasp on what it, what it is that he's talking about because the, the Greek word that he uses here is poema, which is where we get the word poem. And what that's saying is, you and I are God's handiwork. We are, we are his poem. We are an expression of his artistic creativity, right? That's what we are. And, um, and then we're created for good work. So this, this idea of being the handiwork of God right? The workmanship of God, it comes with a few implications. The first one is, is that you were intended, right? So your life, and, and this may sound obvious to some of you, but I don't think we always live this way. Your life is not arbitrary. It's not accidental. There's a phrase that is often used, and I used to use it, the accident of my birth, right? You would say, well, that's just because of the accident of my birth. I, I, li- I was born where I was born. I you know, have the parents that I have. I have the genetic makeup that I have. I, have the, you know, the, the, I am what I am just by sheer the, you know, accident of the way things just panned out, right? That's not what the scripture teaches. Theologically, we are not sheerly accidental and not arbitrary. We were intended. And if you look at... Um, the psalm, it says this. It says, for you were created, you, sorry, this is the psalmist speaking to God, for you created my inmost being. And then it says this. Listen, like feel the language of this for a minute, right? You knit me together in my mother's womb. Think about the language and the intimacy of that image, right? It's, it's saying God personally, intricately, intimately, wove you together, made you before you were ever born. He had his eye on you. He knew who you were. He had plans for you. He had designs for you, working out your purpose in him. This is not a, you know, wind up the, wind up the universe, spit it out, and see what happens. This is a God who is intricately related to who you are. And it says that he wove you together. We went to, Rebecca and I went to see Shakespeare in the Park, um, this last week, and it was Winter's Tale. And you listen to this, this play by Shakespeare, and it's all in iambic pentameter, and it's this, this, you know, this, this rhythm and this rhyme and all this kind of stuff. And you're listening to it, and you go, every single word is exactly the way the artist wanted it to be. He put the, there's nothing arbitrary about the language that he uses. You don't shake up, you know, a, a, a language globe and then see what, you know, falls out. He put those words together. The, the artist, Shakespeare, put the poet, put those words together in a particular order, in a particular fashion, to convey a particular message, right? That's the image we get from this language, that God knit us together uniquely and particularly before we were even born. And then um, in Jeremiah, it says, it says the same thing in other languages. It says, before I formed you in the womb... I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. If you don't get anything else today, know that your life was designed by God on purpose, not accidentally, because he wanted you to be who you are. He made you. 
on purpose, intimately, particularly. Okay, that's what handiwork means. The second implication of this is that you were specifically designed. Okay? You were specifically and uniquely designed. So last week, you guys know, we gave these um, um, dog tags out to all the guys. And uh, these were just like a cool thing that say, um, that have a, a quote from last week's message on them. Uh, and what I meant to tell you last week and I didn't tell you is that the guy who designed these, the guy who made these, actually made each one of them by hand. They weren't done at like a factory somewhere far off and, you know, here you go. The guy, the guy literally has one of these little machines and he did it one at a time. Put each one in, click, put it out, put the chain on. Click, pull it out, put the chain on. Every single one of those is a little bit different. Every single one of those is a little bit unique. That's the image that we get from God about us. We're not part of a factory design, manufactured kind of like big old, you know, machine. God intimately, particularly, particularly and specifically designed each and every one of us. Look at what it says in um, Isaiah. And again, think of the language. Look at the metaphor they're using. It says, we are the clay and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. So that's an image of God at the potter's wheel forming you with his hands. Not like, you know, everybody just comes out the way they are. God is uniquely and particularly and specifically designing you the way he wants you to be before the foundations of the, of the world. He had designs on you. He had a purpose for you. The other scripture um, that pushes that home even further, and Jesus said this, is he says, even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Now, in the first service, I, I made a little joke about that. And I said, now, that's easier for God to do with some of you than for others. And um, we, had, we had two bald guys leave the church um, this morning. But we're going to call them this week. And um, no. That's not, I, I think that's way funnier than you guys do. I'm, I'll be laughing about that all afternoon. I'll be driving home going, man, that was hilarious. I don't know why they didn't laugh at that. But anyway. Um, so what he's saying is that, yes, you're specifically and uniquely designed Even the hairs on your head are numbered. Everything about you is important to me. Everything about you is important to me. I'm into everything about you. I'm I'm interested in every component of you. I want to know everything about you. I know everything about you, right? And it's all important to me. How many hairs you have on your head, God's saying, is important to to me. And the third one, and this is where I want to push in a little bit, is that you and I are an expression of the character of God. That's what handiwork implies, that we are an expression of the nature of God. We're an expression of his nature, of who he is. So track with me on this, okay? Genesis 1 says that we were made in God's image. In the image of God, we were made, male and female, we were made. So what that means is we are image bearers of God, all right? The, the, the phrase that you may hear, hear sometimes is we're the imago Dei. We are the image of God. We are the reflection of God. We reflect his nature, and his character, okay? That's why we were made, to reflect him. That's what glorify means. It means to, if that's God's nature, our life, our job is to reflect God's nature out to other people, right? That's who we are. Now, unlike a poem or unlike a work of art that has no uh, ability to not reflect their creator, we have a choice as to whether or not we will accurately reflect the nature and the character of our creator, right? So Vincent Van Gogh's Starry Night, that's going to always express 
what he meant to express when he painted that painting, right? It has no choice but to express the character of the artist. Michelangelo's Sistine Chapel, the ceiling, that's an expression of his artistry. It has no choice as to whether it's going to be uh, uh, an expression of his artistry because it doesn't have a will, right? We're different. We are a handiwork of God. We're God's artwork. We're God's poem. And yet, unlike a piece of static art, we have a choice as to whether or not we're going to accurately reflect his nature and his character or not, right? So we are an artwork that gets to decide whether or not we're going to accurately reflect the nature of the God who made us. Are you tracking with that? I mean, this is powerful, powerful stuff when you begin to understand the, 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 the importance of who you are, right? Because you are a reflection of God and it matters how you reflect your creator, how you reflect the nature and character of your creator. So this is in your notes. It just says, uh, you are a reflection, right? You are a reflection uh, or a representation of God's character by your actions. Let me, let me give you a, a passage and this is gonna clear it up for you. Jesus put it like this. He said, let your light shine, let your light shine before others so that they might see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. What he's saying is this. Your life's purpose is to glorify God, to accurately reflect his character and his nature to everyone around you. How do I do that? We do that through the way, the good deeds, the way that we interact with other people, the way we serve other people, the way we love other people, the way we care for one another, the way we look after each other, the way that we treat the the stranger and the person that we don't feel that comfortable with. These are all ways that we participate in bringing glory to God and literally glorifying God, right, through our actions. This is how we accurately reflect his nature. So we were at um, Soulard Market a couple weeks ago, uh, my family and I, and we're down at Soulard Market, and we go to this one stall, and there's a, there's a business in this stall that has been around for a long, long time, and it's got a great reputation, and I've known this business since I was a, a kid, and, and have eaten from this place for all, all my life. Great place. And um, so we're down there at the, at the Soulard Market, and we go over to this stall, and we're getting ready to go get something to eat at the stall, okay? And so we walk up, and the guy who was at the stall who was in charge of the stall, who was the employee working at the stall, had his back to us, and he was working on some stuff with his back to us. So I walked up to the stall, and I got my family was with me, and then there was another family standing there. So there's a bunch of us, and we're all kind of standing there. And we kind of stand there for a minute, and we're waiting for the guy to turn around and acknowledge us, and then we'll order our food and so forth, right? So, but he doesn't turn around. So I go, um, I'm assuming he doesn't know we're there, okay? And so I say, hey, pardon me, are you guys still serving? And he doesn't, doesn't, nothing happens. Like he doesn't turn around. Nothing, nothing changes. So it's kind of loud at the Soulard Market. So I thought, well, maybe he didn't hear me. So I go, hey, pardon me, sir. Are you guys still serving? You know, and I actually, I never have a problem projecting. I, I'm a loud talker. If you ever talk to me on the phone, you have to hold the phone way out here because I just can't help it. My voice gets higher and louder. So anyway, I, I'm like, pardon me, sir. Are you guys still serving? Still nothing. Like nothing. And like, we're all kind of looking at each other like, he, he's got to hear us, right? Because he has to. And so, so I thought, well, okay, let's give him the bit of the doubt. One more time. I'm going to go. I go, excuse me, sir. Are you guys still serving today? Because it was like lunch. It was like one o'clock. Are you guys still serving today? Now, let me show you what he did. He's got his back to us, right? 
and he's doing some stuff over here, and I'm talking and this, and when I said it the third time, he goes like this. Okay. What he was doing is he was, dis- he was showing us the display cases that, that were empty. He was going, here's what he was saying. I'm going I'm to give subtitles to what he was saying. He was saying, you morons, can you not see that there's no food in the, in the window? Therefore, I'm no longer serving food, and you should have known that. That's what he was saying by this very, like, rude and angry gesture. And then he turns back around, and he goes back to his work. Now, we, I should have just left it alone at that point. <laughs> we should have just, we could have just moved on down and gone to a different stall and something else to eat. But I just felt like that wasn't very nice. And so I said, nicely, I said, hey man, you know, you could have just answered the question. You didn't have to behave rudely like that. Okay, so that's what I said to him. That's not that bad. I mean, I feel like that's okay. And so I said that to him. But then when I said that, then like that triggered something inside of him. So then he turns around and then he like kind of walks up to the, you know, like where we are. And then he says, and I have to leave some of the words out that he said, right? Because then he says, oh yeah, well, I could have been a lot more rude. Except that then he adds a string of other words along and within that sentence, okay? Now I'm standing there and Rebecca's here, and we got our kids, and there's another family, and their kids, and, and you know, he's just with all this stuff. And we're all kind of like, what? Like, I was stunned. I was, like, shocked, because I've been going to this place all my life. This is a good place. And so I'm, like, shocked, and then, and plus the language that he said. And so I, everybody's kind of stunned in silence. And then my wife, you know, she's not stunned in silence. I mean, she is for a second. And you guys know my wife, she's small in frame, but do not, in front of her children, say things that ought not to be said, because then she steps forward, and now she's like, now listen here, and then she starts going in, and then I start going, okay, everybody, let's just clear the area, let's get everybody out, everybody, let's make some way, and I'm getting everybody down the path, the other family is kind of like, this is going crazy, I don't know what's going on, our kids are like, what, what, and so anyway, we get out of there. We get out of there, and we're, we're like moving on. And I, I could have I let it go at, at, that, at that point, right? But <laughs> it wasn't bad what I did, so I just, just relieved the pressure. So what I did, though, is that I've known this company has been around for a long time. They've got a good reputation. They have good food. They have good service. What I knew is that the guy that was working behind the counter was not accurately reflecting the character and the nature of the company that he was working for, okay? So what I did was I called the owner of the company, and I said, hey, man, I just want you to know I'm down at the Soulard Market, and the employee that you have working behind the counter is having a tough day today, and I feel like you should know because I don't think that he is accurately reflecting the nature and the character of your business. And I just think that you should probably have a discussion with him about how to interact with the, with the, you know, the customers so that he can better reflect what you really want him to be and do. And the owner, honestly, talked to me for half an hour. I mean, he was extremely grateful for the call because he wants to be well-represented. He wants 
people to know what he's about and what he believes in and what his, what his goals and his ideals are. And when somebody is misrepresenting him, it doesn't reflect well upon him, right? This is what God is saying to us in this scripture. He is saying, I want you to represent me in a way that accurately reflects my nature and my character. And the way you do that is by loving one another, is by serving one another, is by looking after one another, by taking care of one another. You were made to represent God's character through your actions. The way we interact with other people matters, not just because it's nice or it's the right thing to do or it's, you know, it helps us, all of which is true, but because it accurately reflects the nature of the God who made us. Today we are celebrating our dream team, okay? And the reason we're celebrating our dream team is because our dream team's goal is to live this out. The goal of our dream team is to make a difference in the lives of others by serving others in a way that will bring honor and glory to God, okay? That's what we do. That's why every week we get together and we serve one another and we, every single thing that we do is designed specifically for this. We were made for this. We were made to fulfill the purpose for which God put us on the earth to serve one another and to love one another, to bring honor and glory to God. And I want to take just a moment and have you not hear it just from me. I want to give our dream team an opportunity to speak it from their own heart. Kim Oswald, a member of our dream team, put together this brilliant video. I want you to take a moment, grab the lights and watch this. I've loved being a part of the dream team. It's, uh, it's really cool being able to, to make the church your home. I, at this church, have never met a face that wasn't friendly. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, it surprised me in a lot of ways. I didn't expect it to be as much fun serving because technically you're supposed to be working, but it's been, it's been a blast. The doors are open for you to do whatever it is you feel like you've been called to do. Being a part of the dream team has, has really given me that opportunity to to build those relationships and feel a part of something that's, that's really great that we have here. I would encourage anyone, if you want to feel like you're a part of something really great and really good, join the dream team. Serve. It's something that uh, you're called to do anyway, is to help one another, to care for one another, to listen to one another. I think we need to be a conduit of God's love and as it's given to us, we just let it flow through and out to others. You know, Jesus came, said that he came not to be served, but to serve. And I think that the way that he models that for us and the way that he serves us really teaches us just that there's a lot more life in serving than there is in just receiving. I think without any of our dream teams, we wouldn't be at the place that we are today. It all matters. Um, even the littlest things that you do make a big difference. It's what our mission is, and so when you have the opportunity here to do that, then for me, it's helpful. It carries, into my, it carries me through my week. We are the church, and as the church, we should serve our Father, and our Father is God, and so I think that it's very, very important that you serve in church because it's service to God and service to your brothers and sisters who are also children of God. Everyone's just so full of love, and they work really hard, and they just, they do it selflessly. To know that 
what you do will allow somebody to want to get closer to Christ makes you want to do it even more. And to see the smiles on their faces and to hear them say how they felt love. I know that feeling because that's the feeling I felt when I got here. So you want to just pass that along. So, and that's what grows you, City Family Church. Everybody loves everybody. An experience that I had, and I've not seen this, this gentleman ever again. And for whatever reason, he approached me. He said, you know something? Heaven must be like this. Because he was looking at all of the people and all of the nationalities, and all of the smiles, and all of the fellowship. And I agree with them, heaven must be like this. This must be what it is meant to be like. Come on, let's hear it for the dream team. Man. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I can't even begin to tell you. I, I come here every Sunday this is my job. I love this job. I love preaching. I love preaching the gospel and sharing the gospel. But the truth is, I am not the only one doing that every Sunday. Every single member of this team is declaring the gospel through their actions and through their deeds. Whether they are spending time in the prayer room before service praying for you, whether it's they're making a cup of coffee out there for you, they're preaching the gospel. They're fulfilling their purpose. That's what they were made for. Whether they're handing out a bulletin, whether they're you know, ushering you to the front row. I love this front row. You guys are rocking it up here in the front row. Um, what, whatever it is. I mean, for instance, if you're plugging in a microphone, if you're plugging in a microphone at this church, you are preaching the gospel because you are creating all of us like the body of Christ, every finger, every toe, every, every sinew, every joint, every muscle, everything works together to bring Christ to the people who are in need of him. And that's what we are doing. This week, we had, a, in fact, our sound team. I'll, get, I'll show you this real quick. Our picture of our sound team is hanging out. This is the best sound team in the entire planet, by the way. And they were hanging out this week, planning, strategizing, plotting ways to serve you to enhance the ministry at this church so that you can have an experience where you're, you're hearing the gospel, you're receiving the gospel, you're engaged in worship, you have an opportunity to unite with other people in worship. And the, and the truth is you probably don't know most of them because they're hiding behind the scenes. They're always in the dark. They're the ones, they call them Philo. They're first in, last out. I mean, they're, they're the ones that are back in the back, in the scene, you know, behind the scenes, making it happen. But literally every single one of us who are finding a place to serve and finding a place to uh, serve our guests and serve our members are preaching the gospel together. You may think that alone you are a drop and alone you are a drop, but together we're an ocean. And when we work together as a team, we transform the world. We become a force a transformative force for good in the world. I want to close by having Shante uh, Smith come up and share uh, something that she wrote this week. Come on up here, Shante. Worship team, you guys can come on up. And I want to close out with this. Um, I try to stay away from, from Facebook usually as much as I can. But every once in a while, you know, I'll hijack my wife's page and I'll go on and look at posts and whatever. And I came across a post this week that Shante Smith wrote. Um, you can grab that microphone, Shante. Um, that Shante wrote, and it captures perfectly this idea that everything you do to serve someone else, no matter how small, matters. She shared um, a story about an event that took place 
for her nine years ago. A, a, an act of kindness, a gesture of goodwill that someone did for her. And here we are nine years later and the impact that it has had on her is something that she wrote about and has shared and, and touched my heart and I think it'll touch yours, Shante. Nine years ago, I was standing in the line of a food pantry with Sierra in an umbrella stroller. I was depressed, I was sad, and I was tired. It was my first trip to a food pantry, and I'm sure I looked lost. A Hispanic lady got out of line and went to her car. She came back and gave me a pink jacket for Sierra. She spoke very little English, but I thanked her for the jacket. I kept that jacket for years, even though Sierra could no longer fit it. That jacket was a reminder of how far I've come in spite of, despite of. That jacket was a reminder that even in the depths of struggle, God will send a light. I no longer have that jacket, but today I remember the Hispanic lady and her gift. If I could see her today, I would give her a hug and invite her over for dinner. On that day, nine years ago, I could not express my full gratitude because of my state of mind. But today, I am truly grateful for her. When she saw me on that day covered in darkness, she gave me a gift. Be a light in someone's darkness. Awesome, awesome. I mean, why do you remember? Wait, Shantae, don't leave yet. Why do you remember, why do you remember a gesture that someone did for you nine years ago, you know, that probably didn't cost them that much and might not have even been a big deal to them? Might not, they, they, this woman might not even remember this, but nine years later, Shantae remembers this because it was an act of kindness, it was a gesture of service. And it reflected the nature and the character of God. Whether the woman intended it to or not, we don't know. But she made a simple gesture of kindness. And it impacted Shante in a very deep and profound way. To the extent that nine years later, she's writing about it and thinking about it. And thinking about this woman who did this for her. Every single thing that you do. Every moment of kindness. Every hug. Every handshake. Every cup of coffee. Every every hospitality item, every speaker that you plug in, literally everything that you do is a part of unifying God's people around his purpose, around their purpose, around our purpose, to bring the hope and the love and the light of Christ to everyone we meet. Shante now serves as the um, director, uh, the the head of our um, Dream Team Central out here. She has taken these, these experiences where someone has reached out and been kind to her and she's just turned it into her life. She, this is what she does. She serves other people in, in an effort to bring honor to God in areas where she's particularly gifted. She's gifted at talking to you and smiling and hanging out and even though she's crying today, she's, that's, that's what her gift is. And so she's found a way to serve in an area of her strength in a way that honors and glorifies God. So I would invite you, thank you, Shantae, very much. I would invite you, every single one of you, this week to find a place, to find a way to serve somebody else. Because that is not only good for you, it will not only bring joy, it will not only bring fulfillment, it's not only the right thing to do, but it's what you were made for. You and I, we are made for this. 
And so I want to encourage every single one of you today, if you haven't done our 401, come through our 401. Uh, we'll meet out in the, in the lobby and then we'll go up, we'll eat pizza, you'll meet our leaders. They'll tell you about different teams you can be a part of. There's a card that you can fill out. It's in your bulletin. Please feel free to pull this out. If there's a, an area of interest where you think, well, gosh, I'd like to learn how to do X, Y, or Z. We're a, we're a church, we're a gifts-based, not a needs-based church. God has no needs. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He can make, he can make anything out of nothing, right? So he doesn't, he doesn't have needs. What he has is he has opportunities for us to fulfill our purpose in the areas of our strength in order to bring glory to him. And so if there's an area on this sheet that you want to learn about or you want to uh, find out about or you want to get involved in, fill this out. If you're already on the dream team, you can go onto the back and make sure that all of your contact information is correct. And that way we can uh, reach out to you and, and, and point in the right direction when you want to connect with the team and find a place to serve and find a place to, le- uh, to lead. I just believe in my heart of hearts that the greatest joy and the greatest fulfillment that you will ever experience is when you serve other people in an area of your strength in a way that brings honor and glory to God. There's nothing better than that. If you want to have a better marriage, serve your spouse in an area of your strength in a way that brings honor and glory to God. If you want to have a better career, serve your employer in a way, in in an area of your strength that brings honor and glory to God. If you want better friendships, serve your friends in a way that brings honor to God in areas of your strength. Just this is the principle that, that governs our life. This is who we are. This is what we were made for. Let me pray for us. Father, we come before you and we just thank you for your word. We thank you for opportunities to serve here at U City Family Church and in our homes and in our schools and in our office places and out on the street and anywhere we go, Lord. We just, we thank you for giving us opportunities to fulfill the purpose for which you designed us. We thank you for enlightening us through your word as to what we were made for. We are a reflection of you. We are to bring honor and glory to you through our good deeds to one another, through our love for our brothers and sisters. Father, I pray today that each one of us would be stirred in our souls, would be prompted, would be energized and inspired to do what you've called us to do, to step into the areas of service that you've called us to step into, to lead in areas where you've called us to lead, to develop those gifts and those strengths that you've placed within us from before we were born, that you knit in us, that you put on the potter's wheel and formed us like clay. God, we ask that you would help us to develop and grow those strengths and those gifts that you've implanted in us so that we may not only serve others, so that we might only not only experience the joy and fulfillment that comes with that, but God, that we could do what we were made to do. Father, we pray that all that we do and all that we say brings honor and glory to you today. In Jesus' name, amen.